Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Culture Club. Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon. It is drive time. I'm Elliot Danker. It's time now for Culture Club. You know, it can be quite challenging to offer a precise definition of a startup. It can be a business creating a new product or a service under conditions of extreme uncertainty. Or perhaps it could be a company aiming to solve a problem where the solution is not so obvious and success is not guaranteed. Well, however you define a startup, it can be, it used to be that you needed both wealth and and good connections to invest in them. Right now, that's no longer the case. Um, average investors can easily grab a piece of an exciting startup opportunity using crowdfunding sites. Startup investing is potentially lucrative, but it's important to understand that it comes with big risks as well. Our next guest is an investment holding on a mission to impact people's lives in emerging markets through technology and entrepreneurship. To tell us more about her company and their mission is Alice de Tonac, who is the CEO for Seed Stars. Uh, good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Thanks a lot for taking the time to speak with me. First, let's uh, understand your company a little bit. Seed Stars, a Swiss investment holding on a mission to impact people's lives in emerging and frontier markets through technology and entrepreneurship. That's the key word there, right? Technology. You guys are celebrating your 10th anniversary. Tell us a little bit more. Yes, absolutely. So we launched this journey exactly 10 years ago. And 10 years ago, I was in Singapore uh, to do our first world tour to build this community of like-minded entrepreneurs, investors, and ecosystem players to not only support the next generation of entrepreneurs through programs and schools that we operate all around the world from Nigeria to Bolivia to the Philippines, but also to invest in these entrepreneurs and support the scale of their businesses, uh, again, really around, uh, all around the world. Mm. I understand you grew up here in Singapore. Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> it's quite interesting. It's, it's sort of coming full circle in one sense. In exactly. the other sense, what are some of the, the differences when you look at the different landscapes, you know, Singapore, and you mentioned some other countries from different regions as yes. well, uh, all vibrant, but not quite the same? Absolutely. I think you really see the differences in, in terms of what we say, like kind of the maturity of the ecosystem. And it can be on one side, you have these great talents because there's a strong infrastructure in terms of great schools, so great engineers, especially when you think of these technology companies. And on the other side, you're looking at the capital inflow and how educated are the investors to do venture capital, which is a type of investment within the realm um, of investment opportunities. And so I think that's where we see it balancing out very differently across the different ecosystems. Mm, Talking about ecosystems, um, looking at uh, impacting people's lives in emerging markets, uh, is there a particular reason why you've chosen the emerging markets? It's a hot place that everyone tries to go through. Uh, any chance it could get too saturated too soon? So 10 years ago, you have to imagine where we were going to places like Rwanda or the Philippines, there were just a couple of co-working spaces that weren't even called that at that time or an accelerator or two and uh, and business angels. Um, But it was really at the very beginning. So, of course, some markets are more saturated than Mm, others. mm, mm, mm. But there's just, I mean, there's huge opportunities uh, because there are so many gaps to fill and so many products and services we need to get to the consumer and ones that really elevate their lives. 
place. And that's why impact is so important for us. I think it comes down to with my founders when we decided to build the company, if we wanted to do something, might as well do something that matters. Mm. And that has always stuck for us, to us. I admire uh, entrepreneurs like yourself who have taken that leap and have had to navigate so much changes, especially post-COVID. If let's say, let's use me as a, a case study. If let's say right now, I I finally become brave enough to take that leap into entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give me? I mean, so much has changed. How can I navigate the landscape today? Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's it's tough advice. And I think to be <laughs> honest, um, seeing how fast the world is changing, and this is only a glimpse of the velocity at which we will have to Um, how do I say, uh, be comfortable with in the next decade. Mm. Everyone needs to be an entrepreneur to a certain extent because if you don't have that level of agility and resilience and problem-solving capability, then I think everyone is kind of in danger in building a sustainable career and future. So the advice I give is, um, one, start doing things because doing things always pushes you to meet with people, to understand the market, to understand what are the gaps and opportunities, not wait out the perfect idea or the perfect partnership and surround yourself, not necessarily with people that you think have the best CVs or that you think look so cool or that have the wealth or have the right connections, but surround you with the people that have the right values. Because over the past 10 years, what I've seen to be true is that the highs are as absurd and unreal as the lows that you're going to live. And what allows you to go through them is really being surrounded by people that fundamentally have the same principles as you. So for me, 10 years later, I'm still with the same founding team. We still feel like we have the, the same integrity and, and we're, we kind of like symbolically sign for another 10 years together. Mm. So that would be one of my advices. Yeah, you should be so lucky to be able to meet that kind of a core team, right? <laughs> I, I, according to, to a, a phrase that you mentioned, everyone should be an entrepreneur in some sense. Mm. Would you say that applies as well uh, for people like me who have full-time jobs? If, if let's say I had an entrepreneur's mindset, I had some kind of an entrepreneurship, not necessarily making money, would you say that benefits me as well in my job? I think the mindset is so important Mm. because, I mean, look how just artificial intelligence, and I think everyone knows ChatGPT by now, but so look how quickly it has redefined so many jobs. And I'm not saying it took us 18 months to get there. It was overnight because it was so user-friendly. Everyone was able to understand it, so everyone was able to take it on in their daily habits. So that level of change is going to happen more often and more quickly. So everyone needs that entrepreneurial mindset, even if they are in a very established job or corporate career, if I may say so. Um, Agility, resilience, problem solving, critical thinking, creativity, that's the muscles we have to master now. Yeah, okay. I will stop building my anti-AI movement. <laughs> I watch too many movies, I got to tell you. But, but it is Singapore that, that really is going to be the forefront to such things. I don't know, it's just something about us here that is looking to be more agile, you know, or, or, or that demand that we have to be even more agile uh, than our counterparts around the region. 
it's funny because 10 years ago, you always have these big aspirations. So when I come back, I, oh, I always have a sense on one end, oh, I wish we had gone faster on conversation like the education of the investor. I still think okay. that a lot of okay. the capital is still not comfortable with VC and early stage investment and how do you work with founders and support them to scale. And at the same time, everything has changed. I mean, the number of funds that are popping out, the number of uh, startups, uh, Singapore, I think, was very strong in attracting talent from around the region and being that kind of door to Southeast Asia yeah, okay. and its market. So uh, there, there's the good, the bad, and the ugly, <laughs> I guess. And uh, Singapore has positioned themselves very well in the past on the global um, footprint, and I think they're going to do very well across niche markets in the, in the next decades. Mm, that can only come with that openness as well. But you guys at SeatStars, you've got quite a few initiatives uh, like mm-hmm. the platform for supporting fund managers. Uh, you also have some plans to run more schools to incubate yes. tech talent. I like the sound of that. Could you tell us a little bit about your plans? Yes, I think SeatStars always operated with two big objectives. On one side is how do you build the next pipeline of investment-ready solution in these markets? And for that, it's to focus on the talent. So how do you provide to the ecosystem more talents that want to become entrepreneurs or join a founding team? And so we decided to launch coding and entrepreneurial schools so that we can really fuel that pipeline. And we just launched one in Ivory Coast by the end of the year, one in Bangalore, and it's two years face-to-face, but but schools where it's peer-to-peer, gamified, uh, problem-solving-based, no teachers, no lectures, uh, really how I think you should teach um, to learn. Our best shot at learning uh, this problem-solving and agility is just knowing how to learn continuously. And on the other front, what we have been doing for the past 10 years, and now we have a portfolio of 100 companies spread out in 35 countries, is we think we did quite an okay job in supporting founding teams. And so we see that same uh, need to support new fund managers that want to institutionalize themselves and want to support that ecosystem. So that's where we're heading also by um, really building a platform to support, invest, and scale these fund managers. Wow. Uh, Alicia, I, I'm quite inspired by, by what you just mentioned. And I've got a personal question, an opinion question in that sense. So when I was in law school, the modules we had was very similar to what you put out there. It was mm. problem-based learning. Here are the bunch mm-hmm. of statutes, go solve this case. Yes. Learn through a problem. Mm-hmm. What more, in your opinion, can be done for companies in the world to accept this form of education, this form of cultivation, as opposed to, oh, you've got first class honors, therefore you deserve this job? What's your opinion of this matter? I think companies, uh, so there's some that are very forward thinking and they do not even look at your CV because Mm. they have their own um, way to recruit the talent through, they have different online memory cognitive tests and then case study type interviews, et cetera. So many of them have really uh, already changed the model of how they choose their talent and others are kind of going to be forced to because 
I don't know if you've seen, but more and more the generation that is going into universities, they're not seeing the same value. And they know that yes. the fact that they do these very expensive long-term university does not necessarily bring them to the qualified jobs or the jobs they wanted, which was maybe the case 10, 15 years ago. So there is a shift and there's kind of a push-pull reaction where companies are going to have to rethink the model and they have no choice also because they need talents that can adapt to mm. the markets, to the challenges that they face within the within the companies. So we're seeing universities also transform and reshape themselves to become, before anything, a strong community with powerful okay. network and that capability of teaching their students to learn. Mm, I do appreciate you sharing your thoughts there. Uh, just a final question, and really it's about the future of Seedstars. Um, where do you see it in terms of the future, the broader landscape of entrepreneurship and investment in emerging markets? So we still have huge aspiration. There's so much to be done still in these markets. So it's continuously thinking, how do we continue to support founders and fund managers at scale? Because the reflection is, if we want to impact millions of people's lives, we're going to have to think of how can we do that at scale? Mm. So this platform approach of not only supporting doing schools, so the pipeline is larger and investing in these uh, companies directly or through funds, okay. hopefully will allow us to achieve our mission. All right. I've been speaking with Alice Ditonek, who is the CEO of Seedstars. Uh, thank you so much uh, for taking the time today. Take care and have a thank great you. Tuesday evening. You too. Thank you. Bye. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.